0: Hi, and welcome to Lolly Secrets, um, a place where we discuss the challenges faced in relationships, the hustle of financial freedom, and the struggles we face with the Christian faith. My name is Lolly, your host, and today's topic will be on the hustle of what it takes to become a successful published author and writer. Now, today with me, I have Oinka Braithwaite. Um, she is a published author. Um, she's a graduate of creative writing and law from Kingston University. Following her degree, she worked as an assistant editor in a Nigerian publishing house and as a publishing and production manager at a children's entertainment company. She went on to freelance as a writer, editor and graphic designer. She has had short stories published in anthologies and has also self-published work. And in 2016 she was shortlisted for the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. She's the author of My Sister the Serial Killer, which won the 2019 LA Times Award for Best Crime Thriller, and she was shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction 2019. Um Oyenko, welcome to the show. Hi. Now, I'm really glad to have you on the show. Um, It's been something we've been working on and we've talked about for a while. And I've always wanted to talk to you a bit more about how you got to where you are right now. First of all, what made you decide to become a writer? Have you always known or is it something you kind of grew into as time went on?
1: I think I knew fairly early because I remember, in fact, I actually still have the proof of it, I was in I was schooling in um in Kings Park in Southgate London at the time and when you're in year 6 they would have each and every one of us write down basically what we wanted to be when we grew up and um I wrote that I wanted to be an author by then I knew that this is what I wanted to be and I had been writing I had already been writing by then I was writing fairly confidently at least in my mind I thought I was doing brilliant work by the time I was like 8 um, so I've, I've been writing pretty much all my life.
0: That's brilliant. I mean, some people don't... I know that I've struggled with, you know, knowing my path in life and knowing what I really wanted to do, and even up until recently, I've been kind of going back and forth on, you know, my passions in life, but it's clear that you already knew what you wanted to do.
1: It's interesting You, know, you what you said about not knowing because um, until very recently, it hadn't occurred to me that that in itself is a kind of blessing um because i because since i'd known what i wanted to do in my life all i really thought about was the fact that i hadn't achieved it mm. um but it wasn't until later that i uh, was speaking to um other people who who were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do that i realized that actually it gives you a sort of direction and a, and a purpose even if you feel as if you're not quite doing it
0: I understand. It's almost like at least you know where the end goal is, so you you know that whatever you're doing, you're working towards that, as opposed to just kind of floundering around and hoping it'll all come to you as you go along. Exactly. Okay. Now, knowing that you know you knew exactly what you wanted to do, and just kind you know finding your way around it. Um, what kind of I would almost say what kind of support did you have from your family and friends and just, you know, your support system in general? I want to understand that that side of things and how that has helped in the journey to where you are right now. I mean, I think the support
1: was more of a, it was a subtle sort of support in that my parents didn't have a problem with it, for example, but they would have preferred I do it as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. as opposed to devoting my my all my energy and all my time to it you know so there was that sense and they didn't really read my work because they they didn't write the they didn't really like the sort of stories that I produced however they didn't set themselves up as obstacles in my way and um there was a point where I decided okay I'm going to stop working full time I'm going to work as a freelancer and again even though they weren't really they didn't really agree with this decision they didn't put themselves in my way and and um so I think for, more than anything that's what I appreciate them for because I know it's really hard for Nigerian parents to be like okay you know do you especially exactly. when they feel like what you're doing is wrong exactly yeah so um it was um, it wasn't easy for them and my mom used to get really frustrated because I spend a lot of time by myself I can go if if you let me, I could go days without seeing another human being. Um, so she used, to, she, she used to get really frustrated. And I understand that better now than I did um, at the time. But she understands that that's what I needed to do in order to get work out.
0: And that is quite understandable. I mean, it sounds like you're a little bit of an introvert from the sounds of things. And, you know, being a writer, you kind of get lost in your own mind, don't you? You get lost in your own world, in books, in storytelling, or even in reading other people's works.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 I mean, it's a solitary activity, writing. You know, you've there's no real way of... I, mean, I know some people... Nowadays, I've come across some um, books that have two authors on it. And I'm I'm actually really interested in that process. Like, how do they do it? Because for Mm me, sometimes you're not writing, but you're still working on the story. It's just in your head. You're Mm -hmm. thinking it through. You're, You're shaping the character and thinking of the things they say. And it's a very kind of immersive experience. So it's easy to be distracted if you don't find a space where you can just be
0: I mean, I can completely understand that because, I mean, if you kind of lose your train of thought or your focus, I yeah. would imagine that, you know, just when it's forming, it'll kind of collapse on itself and then you kind of have to start again.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I can still sort of retain my ideas, but you can kind of be j- sort of jilted out of your flow. Mm. And so at the end of the day, it's important to remember that we're human and being around other people, having these human interactions, it actually helps one improve as a writer. Um, It helps, it helps one to hone um, the natural dialogue and things like that. I remember being at a dinner party a few months ago and I was working on a short story at the time and I hadn't really, I wasn't yet comfortable with the way I had started the short story.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So I, you know, I was listening to the conversations and they got to talking about boreholes And in the end, It's that conversation that I, I mean, I completely changed the tone of the conversation, um, but it was something I had learned in that conversation that I used to begin my short story. And if I hadn't, if I had just been in my room, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: being like my very sort of lonesome self, I would not have gotten that little nugget that I was able to use. Mm -hmm. Um, So even just not writing and listening to people and being around people is an important part of the writing process.
0: So you've just mentioned this as being one of the, I would say, significant parts of the writing process. Um, Would you be able to clarify on that a bit more? Are there any other things that you think people should know or should take into account when going through their writing process?
1: Um, I mean, with any other arts, you know, people sort of just learn what works for them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, through practice um so it's hard to say exactly like i i like to have word count goals and i know that doesn't work for some people like people rather say okay i'm going to sit down and write for an hour some people don't like any kind of restraint but i like word count goals just because it gives me a sense of satisfaction when i meet it and i feel like okay i've done my work for the day exactly
0: Um, something to um, work towards.
1: otherwise Yes, exactly. Cause otherwise I'll just get lazy and even if I can do more than two fifty words, I might do two fifty words and be like, right but we but even if I have more to say, I might just decide, you know, I might get distracted. And that's the thing about work on goals, even if I get distracted, I can look back and say, No, but you've not finished. So mm. once the distraction has passed, I go back and I continue and it's just my way of making sure that I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but again that doesn't work for everybody because some people feel like, but then you're forcing it, which I don't really have a problem with forcing it because writing is work.
2: Mm. Any
1: kind of art is work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to forget that is to, I think, start to fall into a kind of trap where you think, oh, it's insp- it has to be inspiration all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it has to just come to me. And it's not, it's not always going to just come to you. So those word count constraints help when, the inspiration isn't quite there, and even when I sometimes when I force myself, I'm so pleased I've done it because even in those moments, you discover oh, you know you have to be creative when the inspiration is dry, and sometimes that's when some of my most when I've been most happy with some of the things that I've written because I'm like wow okay I've i, I found a way around this issue or well my character said this and you know and I had to force it out of my character but now it feels organic anyway. But I think if I was going to advise, in terms of writing, like, I think everybody should read poetry. I think that improves your writing. and should write poetry, practice with the forms of poetry. I think that improves. But anyway, improved my writing, so.
0: That's very interesting. Um, I haven't read poetry since I was in secondary school, to be honest. I mean, Seamus Heaney was probably the last thing I read, or Ivan Boland. Um, That's pretty much the last I read, and I suppose that's kind of telling so I've also been trying to work on a couple of books and they're more nonfiction. I mean, you're in the fiction um yeah. category at the minute, and that could probably change, but you know, that's what you've written at the minute. And for me, I'm looking at more of a you know, nonfiction book or a couple of nonfiction books. But even just I suppose It doesn't kind of flow out of me the way it would... I would assume it flows out of any writer better than a non-writer, I would say. I don't consider myself a writer. I'm sure many people don't either. But I just find that, you know, you go, you put pen to paper or, you know, you're at the laptop trying to type and it's just blank. So I would... I think the next question would be, you know, do you really believe in writer's block? And how would you get yourself out of that mess?
1: I don't... I th- Again, I think every writer is different. For me, some people are stuck for... Um, get stuck when it comes to ideas. I don't get stuck when it comes to ideas necessarily, but um, it's the discipline that's the issue for me. So, like, when people say they have writer's block, a lot of times it means, oh, they don't know, they don't have an idea, or... Sometimes it's that you don't know how to move the story forward, which has happened to me a couple of times where I'm writing a story and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if I get really, really stuck, sometimes I'll leave it and st- I'll work on another story. Cause usually I have a few open ended stories at any one time. Okay. Um, so I'll leave it. and work on something else. Um, which in itself is not always a good thing. Cause it means I jump around a lot,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but In terms of looking at a white page, I don't really struggle with white pages. White pages are really daunting, but they're also really exciting because at the very least, I can put a sentence on that page. And if you start with one sentence, before you know it, it's 100 sentences. So, um, you know, sometimes it's okay for me not to know where that one sentence is going to lead and just follow that one sentence. So I suppose if I was going to give anybody advice, when it comes to writer's block or not knowing what to write on a blank page, it would be just write one sentence and then see where that one sentence leads you. And don't worry about too much about what that sentence is going to be. Just start typing something. Start typing the or a and see what happens after that.
0: Hmm. I suppose that's a different perspective. Instead of looking at it as this daunting white page of how am I going to fill this? It's more of a, okay, this is exciting. I have so much to give. You know, why don't I just Mm. start just any which way start and then see where it goes. And, you know, it'll all just come tumbling out. I think that's really interesting. I think for me, because I started a blog, you see, and I I have been struggling. Like as we speak, I currently have a blog post open in front of me, which I haven't finished. I started it. You know, it's one of those things as well that I jump Mm -hmm. back and forth with. So I started a while ago and I've written, I don't know, probably like three mm-hmm. page three pages worth. I don't know how many words that is. I kind of write till I'm, you know, based on if I say, you know, 15 things to do in whatever or whatever thing I'm writing. I just write, maybe I give myself, okay, write two or three of those in any given day and then you know you're done for that day. So I also give myself targets. But you see, it's not even just about distractions, but I just get so frustrated with it because... I sometimes feel like my tone doesn't... Like, it, it's not the same as when I'm talking, if you know what I mean?
1: Tone is a difficult thing. I, I totally understand that. I get it a lot where, in my mind, it's sort of like... In your head, where in my mind... But when I'm thinking about the story, it's like... It's this... It has this... Not sort of heaviness to it, and it has this sort of... You know, them different... Depending on what I'm trying to write. Like, so that I'm just picking one, for example. Maybe I want something that's heavy, but but musical at the same time. And Mm -hmm. then I write it, and I'm like, okay, this is not heavy or musical.
0: Exactly. You've hit the, you've hit it on the head.
1: Very, very normal um, thing. I think like, you know, I don't, I don't think that's unique to the both of us. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard to, because it's, again, it's, it's art. Like you're, you're pulling, you know, you're weaving something together and you've got, you've, got a sense of what that finished piece is going to look like but first you've got to you know you get tangled sometimes or you get like it's it's a very sort of delicate process in my mind you know and, and it may just mean that you have to go over it and say okay how can I make this sentence do what I need it to do yeah but like for me the yeah. most important thing first is to get what you want to say out so for me it would be get the story out and then go back and see how I can Sometimes I can do it simultaneously and it's Mm -hmm. such a blessing when I can do it simultaneously. But like sometimes it means that you have to go back and say, no, this sentence is really weak Mm -hmm. or it's too upbeat or it's not upbeat enough. Like it's not, especially like for me, it's easier for me to describe with dialogue. So, you know, sometimes when these, like an example would be two people talking to one another, a man and a woman or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so let's say a man and a woman and you know how you can have that, you can have this whole conversation and nobody needs to tell you that these two people are tense. You know, nobody has to write and they were tense. Because from the words they're saying, you know they are tense. And for me that's really important not mm. to have to explain how my characters feel. But that sometimes means that when my when the woman says something I'll be like, Okay, no, that's not doing Maybe she sounds flippant. I don't want her to sound flippant. That's not how I want her to sound. And you have to go back and figure out how to make her sound uncomfortable or anxious or whatever, without saying she was anxious. I mean, w-
0: would I mean, would, you, would you then say things like add almost body language into the writing as well?
1: But body language would help. But I'm 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 big on dialogue. I believe the dialogue can do a lot more than you. Just as like. You know how they say with, um, with WhatsApp, if you don't, sometimes um, messages are misconstrued because without the tone, without the way the person said it, you can't, you can't really tell.
0: The yeah, you can be certain. Things. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which is why some yeah. people put smileys, that which is why some the, people, you know, exactly. put the lols and all that, that kind means of stuff. That the words
1: themselves can convey tone. Yeah. so that means those words exactly by themselves they're doing that so you now have to temper it because that's not what you meant so like be mindful that it can do these things on its own actually without um, without you know the body language without the emoji if you make the right selection I feel like if you have to qualify it that means you've not achieved you you have not achieved it with the dialogue alone and you can achieve it with the dialogue alone mm-hmm. if you so desire mhm The fact that you know what you want to convey, because, you know, with WhatsApp, anyway, we're lazy. And I don't think we can use WhatsApp really as a good, like, the whole thing about WhatsApp is that you're lazy. Where, you know, we use, like, um, we don't use full words or sentences Mm -hmm. or whatever. We Mm -hmm. use emojis. We're very lazy. But, like, with your post, the fact that you know what you want is three-quarters the job done Mm -hmm. because if you didn't know the the tour you were going for then okay fair enough then that's you know you need to figure that out but you know it so that means and the fact that you know that's not what your work is doing is important yeah means it can be fixed
0: yeah I mean sometimes I find myself going back on posts that I did like last year I'll just read through it and be like hang on I need to add a whole like sentence or like oh sorry, a whole paragraph to this because this just doesn't it's just too short, it doesn't fully convey you know the impact of what I'm trying to say. It's definitely a note to take down that tone is key, and dialogue is important in getting the tone right. so that for me, I mean, you've literally just've you even enlightened me in this artistic process that's for sure. <laughs> so I just wanted to go back a little bit and. I suppose, look at how you got to writing this book. So I know that you've written a lot of short stories, you know, and you've doodled here and there. You've kind of written little pieces. You used to write poetry as well. How did you get to, you know, deciding that, okay, first of all, I want to write a book?
1: When So, you know, we spoke about how when I started writing, and um, for me, they kind of all happened at the same time, memory-wise, because like, I know I, I started writing poetry when I was in primary school, but I was also writing short stories when I was in primary school. So um, those two forms, I've been doing them forever. The only thing, the difference, one of the main differences between a short story and a novel is just the fact that a novel is really long. So I had to build myself up to that because it's not something that you can do in a day um you can write a short story in a day if, if if you want to but you can't write a novel in a day it's physically you know I don't know maybe somebody has done it but like <laughs> it, it would be really hard to do um so I had to build my my way up to that and I think the first time I actually completed a novel was in 2016. So by the time this book came out I had actually written so this is it's my first published novel, but it's the third novel I've written. Oh, Um, So I think I had been building, it wasn't like I decided, okay, now I want to write a novel. It was just that I had been building up to it. I had tried to write in the past and not finished the story. So I've been trying to write a novel for a long time. um, And I was only able to finally do it in 2016.
0: That must have taken a while. And at least, you know, you were able to come out with it and get it to where it is. I mean, You've won a few awards with this one. And when when did you start writing My Sister, the Serial Killer?
1: Um, so I started writing it in 2017. And so I think it was August of 2017 when I started writing it. And it was meant to be a novella at the time, not a novel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which So a novella is, um, is, a, is, a, is like between a short story and a novel. So okay. it's a long short story. Um, so that's what my sister's serial killer was initially um, supposed to be. So when I finished it, it was it was half the size that it is now because I wasn't aiming for a novel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I had to later on, due to events taking place, I now I developed it to a novel, and that's when you know that's when it became my sister's serial killer.
0: That's really exciting. I mean. Yeah. It's really nice to know that, you know, you started, because obviously you started off, you know, writing here and there, and then, you know, you decided that it was just going to be a novella, and then it ended up being a novel. I actually want to just kind of look through some of the processes that, you know, you had to go through to, you know, to get to this point where your novel's already been translated into five languages, you know, the fact that it turned from a novella into a novel. Like, first of all, what made you decide to go into fiction
1: you know because I as a child I was a voracious reader and I was reading novel after novel after novel um and I think when you love something that that passionately you you eventually you have a, a desire to produce what it is that you consume so it was it was very natural I know it wasn't like oh I love writing it was I love you know and it wasn't, because if I read nonfiction, then maybe the natural thing for me would be to do nonfiction, but I'm a consumer, you know, of mostly fiction. And um, because of that, that's what, I, that's what I create. So there wasn't, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a, that conversation in my mind of, well, what type of writing do you want to do? I knew it was fiction that I wanted to do.
0: Okay. And what gave you the confidence to believe that, you know, you could get, this far in, you know, being a successful writer?
1: Maybe because I've been doing it since I was a child. By the time, you know, by the time I got to adulthood, I was fairly confident that I was a good writer. And I I didn't think I was brilliant, you know, and, but even at that, like, because I I thought I was good, but I still needed to improve. I was constantly buying Books on writing. Um, my degree was in creative writing and law, so I was con- I was always trying to improve. But i I had enough. I had things happen here and there that gave me the that served as further proof to myself that I I was good. That I was good enough that, you know, when I was ready, I I sh- hopefully would be able to get um, an agent and then a publisher. So I I guess I had been building up on my confidence over the course of my life for and then I think also I yeah it was it was mostly just that just I had I was I thought I was good (laughs) so and it didn't happen overnight like you know little by little I thought I was good and I was constantly consuming novels so I felt like I was I could also judge what was good at least what I considered to be good
0: okay I really want to know What you would, if you met somebody who told you, I really want to write a book, or I really want to write a novel. And you know that, you know, they had the same hunger for it the way you do, but they just don't know how to go about it. What would be your first advice to that person as someone who's seen a lot of the process and has gone through it?
1: Um, I would say write first, worry later. Because a lot of people are held back by their, oh, my gosh, this is going to be good enough. Oh, my gosh, what if nobody buys into it? Oh, my gosh, you know, this, that, and the other. And if it, my experience has told me anything, is that you can't predict what the market is going to like. Mm. You can't predict what's going to do well. Mm. Um, so all you can really do is be true to yourself and true to the story that you want to tell and let and let things fall fall where they will.
0: Okay. And let's say, you know, they weren't really sure what they wanted to write. They just feel like, I suppose they just felt like they wanted to write something. They just had, you know, they've read a lot. They, they know a lot about writing, but they just don't know what to write. What would you tell someone like that?
1: Um, I would say they shouldn't start with a novel. Um, that they should start with, um, like, maybe a short story. Because with short story, I think sometimes short stories give you the opportunity to not focus so much on plot and just work work on how you want to tell a story, work on tone, so and you've got a smaller space, it could even be like flash fiction, which is you know five hundred words, for example, so in five hundred words you can you can convey a moment as opposed to an entire life or, or a whole week or whatever. You can convey a moment and you can keep writing flash fiction pieces until you're confident enough to move on to short stories. And from there, you can move on to a novel. I wouldn't also, okay, I think second thing I'd probably say is for them to try prompts. So prompts are basically things that are meant to trigger stories in your mind. So for example, sometimes people use um, pictures. So maybe a picture of a girl filling a bucket of water and seeing where that image takes you, or it could be a sentence, you know, like he looked at her and thought, I'm going to have to kill her soon or whatever. And then you you continue the story from where that sentence ends, or it could be, you know, an image or a concept like, what do you think will happen if if the world were to end tomorrow and you were forced to marry an alien whatever (laughs) write about it I don't know what would I do (laughs) yeah so those kind of um, things are good if you don't know what you want to write and it's fiction that you're you're going for those are good ways to exercise your imagination and you know just free yourself to write whatever
0: okay once you've decided you know what you know you've written something you think it's great who do you send it to? How do you get it out there? Like, what role is that person in that you need to send it to that can look at it and say, this is gold. What can we do to make this yeah. better? And then let's push it out for you.
1: What what you would need is an agent, basically. Okay. So, because um, you can approach publishers directly, but most publishers, most of them don't take Solicited manuscripts which basically means they don't take manuscripts that you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you can send the submissions inbox all day long, and nobody will read what you sent. Um, so what you need to get your manuscript in in, in front of a publisher is an agent. Um, so you have to do what's called querying an agent, which is almost like applying for a job. I think so because you you have to introduce yourself. You have to introduce your book, you know, um, let them know any experience you've had, let them know what you think, give them a synopsis of what the story is about, tell them who you think the target is. And even in choosing an agent that you want to query, you need to be mindful of what the agent is looking for. So every agent, you can't just send it to any agent you come across. Every agent has the type of writing that they, that they push. Mm-hmm. So some people will say they only do fantasy. Some people will say they only do literary fiction. Some will have like five genres that they do. Some will say only nonfiction. So every agent has what they are looking for, and even within those genres, they have things. So they might say they don't want they want something new that they're looking for romance with the romance they've seen a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be mindful of what the agent is looking for, and and be ready to convince them as to why you. First of all, that they should bother reading the the first you'd usually send like three chapters with your email and stuff, so you'd you'd first introduce yourself your story, why you think that they would want to look into it further and then yeah, and then they would read it and if they liked it if you know if they don't and you and if they don't you' keep on you keep on trying you try another agent and another agent after that
0: fantastic so my, I, I would like to know if When you were looking for an agent, were you looking more locally? Like was it like nationally before you went international? Or did you just look for the best agents you could possibly find for your genre and just pushed it from there? Um, That's a really
1: good question. It's also a really complicated one because, okay, first of all, Nigeria is not a the industry here doesn't really rely on a doesn't rely on agents. Let me not say really. It doesn't rely on agents at all. The mm-hmm. agents aren't part of the system here. And it's not just Nigeria. There are a lot of other countries. So it has to be the countries where the publishing industry is the large just where you have age where you have agents. Okay. Um, but small ones you don't really have agents. So what will happen is you would apply to the publishers directly and hope that they see your work. Okay. Now, because I had worked a little bit in the publishing industry here, I kind of knew what to expect, mm-hmm. but also I had, you know, I had, I had studied, um, I had read creative writing and law in England. So I also kind of knew what to expect. And then like, so I was always buying books about writing, but I also bought books about publishing. Mm. Um, and I, I would always be online how to do this, how to query an agent, how to kidney, like, so I had educated myself quite a bit on what to do, so I actually never queried, I never reached out to publish, I, I mean, I eventually I did, but I didn't until I already had publishers abroad, because for one, I needed, I, when I said I wanted to be an author, I wanted to be an author full-time, I needed to know that I...
0: It could sustain you. I,
1: yeah, it could sustain me. I didn't need to be stupidly rich, but I needed it to sustain me to mm-hmm. some extent, mm-hmm. and I knew that the Nigerian publishing industry, the way it is right now, couldn't give me that. Mm-hmm. So um, my eyes were always on international, yeah, on publishing houses in the UK okay. or, or the US. Um, so, so yeah, so I, um, but I actually didn't end up querying, even though I did have like a whole expre- Excel spreadsheet with agents listed. I, mm-hmm. I didn't end up. Um, querying any of those agents. First of all, they were fantasy agents. And I do have one fantasy novel that I've written, but I've, I've never sent it out. Um, so how I got my agent was when I was shortlisted for the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. Um, they reached out to me. And then a year later, when I had my sister's serial killer, I sent it to them. And that's when they signed me on. But that's like a whole different story. But yeah, so I didn't I didn't actually end up querying okay i felt super blessed like i felt like the whole thing was just god because i there were a lot of things i had set myself up to do that i i didn't end up doing
0: i wanted to talk about this aspect of things because a lot of women i speak to they always say thank god god did it all it was all god and i'm a christian it is all god you know he does direct our footsteps and everything I feel sometimes it's said just you know, it's just said as a placeholder so they don't have to actually tell you how they went about, you know, getting prepared for Mm -hmm. the blessing in essence, Mm. yeah? So it's definitely all God, but at the same time, God did give you all these talents and you, you know, you didn't sit on them, you know, you worked hard and, you know, he saw your works and said, okay, she's ready for this blessing. You know what I mean? So the point I'm making is, you know, I'm really, I'm so happy for you that you really got what you wanted because it's not easy, first of all, making sure that when you have a, a talent and you really want to explore it, it's the world sometimes can work against you. And when I say mm-hmm. the world, I mean, you know, from your... Immediate circle, so your support system to even those that are outside the home. A lot of things can work against it. Like I know a lot of people who just want to quit their, you know, quit their job, and just focus on their their passion full time. Um, but it's just a struggle because they need the money, and there just isn't. A, they feel there isn't enough time. By the time they get home, depending on where they live, they've probably been in traffic in traffic for hours. They're wrecked. They're absolutely, they're tired. And they get home and all they want to do is eat and sleep. And then, you know, it's a vicious cycle. So it's kind of hard to break free from those those chains of, you know, I don't even want to call it poverty, but, you know, the the, the shackles of, you know, trying to be the best version of yourself for you, you know? What I wanted to just say is, you know, I'm really happy for you that all things aligned for you to fulfill your destiny, in essence, you know, from your, you know, your parents didn't get in your way, which I think is critical, especially yeah. coming from a Nigerian home, which you and I know. Yeah, so the thing
1: is about that, even, I mean, the, tr- the thing is, I'm kind of, I'm stubborn, but I'm not, I'm quietly so. So that even when you, even when I did get some pushback here or there, you know, I wouldn't react the way people thought I would, because in my mind and in my heart, like I knew, you know, I mean, this writing thing was a, a sort of obsession with me. So you couldn't just tell me not to do it. I did law, just law first, actually, and later on changed to creative writing and law. And the first time, my first degree, the first degree I wanted to do was was classics. And my dad burst out laughing said <laughs> it was a rich white man's course. Oh, dear, dear, so dear. when dear. I think that, they never, yeah yeah you know my dad so (laughs) yeah um and I remember my mom was getting in a frenzy and she was getting worked up so I didn't end up doing classics so when I say they didn't ever get in my way I just mean they weren't they weren't ever mean about it they weren't Mm. ever you know like over my dead body they weren't ever which I know like parents are also you know I know parents who have like made it so that they you know a child couldn't do what they wanted to do my parents weren't like that but they weren't necessarily behind me either yeah i did have to fight sometimes um i recognized that it wasn't easy for them because at the end of the day when you say you want to do something like writing and this is what as you you know as you grow up this is something you realize that when you say you want to do writing like it's like saying it's you know all the hairs you want to throw there all the seeds you want to mm-hmm. throw, because like you said it's not an easy industry to be in any Mm -hmm. art Mm -hmm. anything that's in the art is a gamble at best Mm -hmm. so i can't even hold it against them that they were a little bit resistant because at the end of the day they're like look you need to think about how you sustain yourself exactly how you're going to survive um and and those are important questions to ask
0: that's completely right i mean in the end you guys kind of found a happy medium with you doing creative writing and law and then you were able to kind of study what you wanted but fulfill you know, take that box for them as well, which I found to be quite an ingenious way of you know um fulfilling every you know all righteousness with everyone on all fronts but yeah. I mean even the fact that you finished university, you came back to Nigeria to work in a publishing house that was wasn't your dream per se, you know you still wanted to be an author, but you were still working, taking the box, yeah, yeah, but at yeah. the same time learning about you know the environment you would possibly be in later on in life I think what you're showing us is that you need to find a good balance between both sides because it's not like you you know we've both said this it's not every parent that will you know root for you and you know have your back 100% you know some of them can see that you're dedicated and tell you I, I completely understand but you know it is what it is, like, what are you gonna ha- what's gonna happen if, what's your backup plan if it doesn't work out? Because not everyone's gonna be successful, you know, in that, you know, in their pursuit of, you know, what they wanna do, let's be honest. Your story for me is kind of sh- being persistent, but in a kind of a humble, good balance between the two so that, you know, you still satisfy some of their worries. And they're not, you know, crazy worries either, they're <laughs> valid. I mean, obviously, as we're both getting older, we're starting to understand you need a backup plan, like just in case you just don't know what the future holds and you need options. I think that's what's more important than anything else. Like I did business admin and human resource management, which is completely not like it wasn't anything I wanted to do then. All I wanted to do was hospitality and, you know, possibly do an MBA afterwards. But it didn't work out like that. And, you know, because I, you know, I pushed through the course I didn't want to do, my dad then said, listen. You know, if you if you come out with, you know, some kind of honors in this degree, I will pay for your master's in hospitality. And that's where we found our even keel. But it wasn't without, you know, tears and, you know, a lot Ooh. of fighting. That's for sure. I can tell you that for nothing. So, yeah, like, I just like that, you know, you found quite a... And I think it also comes down to personality as well. Like, I'm pretty scrappy, so... But you are more of a, you know, you come from a very calm, reserved, persistent way of doing things, you know. Whereas I'm all, I'm, I'm. It's black or white. It's all or nothing. I'm crazy like that. So, <laughs> I've had to learn to find that, you know, even kill that you have. Not all of us are as blessed, so that's for sure. One thing I really wanted to know is, would you write under a pseudonym? I
1: might, because I've been thinking like if. I wanted to completely change genres. Yeah, um, I know some authors do that, where they don't want to affect the fan base that they they don't want to mess with the fan base they already have. But if I could pull off doing under the same name, then mm. I I I would I think I would just defer to what my agents and publishers thought. I needed to do regarding that.
0: Yeah, because I mean, you mentioned that you have two other novels that you've written. One of them is fantasy. So I just wanted to know, you know, how that would play out if you're even looking to, if anyone's read it. Has your agent read it? Has anyone in publishing read it? it. It's a big (laughs) mess. Are we fixing it? it? Is it something that we're playing with and we're fixing and we're looking to push out? I might go
1: back to it, but um, at the moment, I'm trying to. You know, I'm trying to figure out what, I, what what story I want to do next. But I think one day I will go back and say, okay, what can we... I don't think I will fix it. I think I would I would like, rewrite it and just see what could be saved from that story.
0: Mm. I suppose, you know, now that you've written this one and you've kind of read it through and then you go back to the old one, this book has kind of affected your writing style now, hasn't it?
2: Um.
1: Yes and no. I think more than the book, I think everything that happened after the book has sort of made me more conscientious. Like I didn't realize how people read into things. Mm. Um, So it's definitely made me more aware than I was in the past, but it hasn't changed my writing in the sense that I'm always trying to figure out how to do something in a different way. Mm. Um, I don't want to be like, okay, now all my books have to sound like this one. Like that's not what I'm looking for myself. I still want to improve and I still want to grow. So I wouldn't, necessarily say that this book has set any kind of precedent if anything it just makes me think okay I've done this um I have two short stories coming out this year and I remember I was trying to write a novel and a longer story and I wanted to do something and I just thought oh but you did that in one of the short stories do you really want to do that again can we find something you know different so I think for me it's also a way for me to keep things exciting like I don't want to keep writing in the same way.
0: Mm -hmm. I suppose because it's a creative, it's a creative outlet, isn't it? So you kind of want yeah. to keep it ex- exciting, spicy, yeah. do something new every time. But you know there will still always be an undercurrent of who you are because it is you that's writing yeah, no, it. Definitely, so definitely,
1: definitely, definitely. But I think those those are also ways that you can so trying different styles also makes it so, so that it doesn't become you don't become because you're right. I can't change who I am. I can't even change the things I'm interested in right Mm -hmm. so there will always be some themes that come up now and and again so all I can do to the benefit of myself and anybody reading my work is try and be as try and be fresh try and you know because otherwise if you're if you're you and you're explaining the same things and you're doing it the same way it's going to feel like you're almost replicating the same story over and Mm -hmm. over and over again and nobody wants
0: that yeah so and I suppose that's one of the traps sometimes when you look at things like series of books isn't it because you're trying to write like a part two part three part four or whatever and then some some things obviously have to be repeated because maybe someone's just jumped in midway through the the series but at the same Mm. time you really don't want to get stuck in the writing you know in the same pattern over and over again at the same time
1: yeah it's a very delicate balance I imagine like Mm. I've not even ever had to do that so I don't know, I don't know how I would, like manage it
0: <laughs> um what would you say would be the most difficult part of your artistic process
1: doing it like it's just sitting down every day to do it um like with in this day and age with, like social media and everything I get distracted so easily mm-hmm. before you know it one hour has gone mm-hmm. and also our attention span is it's so massive. tiny these yeah. days oh. before I used to write like before we got really, really techie, I could write for like, you know, pages and pages of, I could write a story for pages and pages. Now when I take a pen, like after a few sentences, I'm tired. My hand is tired and I have to go like my laptop. I'm like, I'm done. Um, So like, and I feel like I've lost something because I think writing with a pen and paper is, is, is a different process to writing with your laptop. I'm much faster on my laptop, but I think, there's a rhythm to writing with your hand that I can't really, like, I feel like this, you lose something in the, in the transition, but I'm, but now I don't have the, the, the patience for it.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: So definitely it's just the actual writing, because even if your story is fantastic, there's going to come a point in the middle where you're like, I'm bored. I'm tired. (laughs) Why isn't it finished yet? I hate the story. Um, so I think also that's another really difficult thing, getting over that point where you hate your story and you think it's the worst thing. Yeah, because everybody has that point. And if it's a novel, it's almost unavoidable. You'll get to the point where you think, what the heck, am I even... Yeah, you're just
0: done with it, yeah.
1: So for me, that's definitely the hardest part. It's why I keep jumping around, like... Currently, I have so many stories, some are 20,000 words, some are 30, some are 10, where I just stopped because I was like, yep, this is this is rubbish, I, I
0: can't, mm. I can't. I would assume it would be the same with, like, cause with this podcast, I remember when I was, you know, trying to, you know, get my bearings with it and I would record something and then I would play it back and I would want to throw up because just listening to my own voice, ugh, it was mm. the most awful thing. Like, I, could, I, I, I didn't know I sounded like a child. <laughs> I sound about seven. And um, it was just awful. Like, I sound seven, but husky, so a husky seven-year-old. I don't know. It was, just, it was bizarre. And I couldn't get past that for a very long time. And then after a while, when I got into the editing, I was like, okay, so I'm beyond this now. I'm be- I'm, I've, I've gotten over the hump. I no longer care about my voice. I'm now just trying to perfect the sound, you know? And I suppose Mm. it's the same with writing and then, you know, going over it and then perfecting it and then, you know, fine-tuning this and fixing that. and, And then eventually, you know, it becomes a masterpiece, you know? So what would you say would be one of your favorite, I would just say favorite novel first? Uh, well, my all-time favorite is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Really, I mean, I love I love me some Jane Eyre. Now, like, I, I've I've read it like three times. Mm-hmm. I really love Jane Eyre. Like, we read it in school. And... Yeah, I knew we were family. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know, we're actually cousins. <laughs> so yeah, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre is amazing. Um, it was on our reading list in school, but before they we got to it in class, I'd read it twice already. So I really enjoyed Jane Eyre. But I really love Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Pride and Prejudice, mm. you know, you got to have that bit of, because Jane Eyre, the romance in there isn't enough. I don't know how to explain it. Whereas in Pride and Prejudice, you've got just enough of Mr. Darcy to keep you going. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's the, it's the romantic in me at heart, I guess. I actually wanted to ask you, what are some mm-hmm. of the things that have crossed your mind when you wanted to write a book? Well, with my sister, the serial killer, I feel
1: like my trigger for my sister, the serial killer was um, the black widow spider. So for me, that was a trigger. Um, And when I first discovered the black widow spider, I wrote a poem about it. And then I sort of wrote another poem about, um, and this was about a woman who would marry wealthy men and poison them and inherit their wealth. So she was a traditional black widow. So I'd gone from writing about the creature, the black widow spider, spider to writing about this traditional idea of the black widow Mm -hmm. so when I and this was in 2007 so when I got around to writing my sister's serial killer I had these two poems as a kind of roadmap Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um so for me Ayola is another sort of example of this black widow she's another type of the black widow um so that that was that served as a trigger
0: for me Mm -hmm. We've been talking in and around this book and we haven't actually talked a little bit about the book yet. So will you just give us okay. a kind of like a summary of the book and some of the characters and, you know, what, you know, what you want the audience to know about the book so that they could go and purchase it?
1: All right. So it's called My Sister the Serial Killer. And it's about two sisters, um, Corey Day is the older sister, Ayala is the younger sister, and Cory is meticulous, she's a nurse, she's hardworking. Um, Ayala, on the other hand, is beautiful and capricious and self-centered, and she also happens to be a serial killer. So um, the story sort of begins at the point where Ayala has killed her third boyfriend, and she calls her sister to come and help her get rid of the body. So that's where the story begins. It's a bit and- dark,
0: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not an opinion. It's dark and it's, awesome. dark and it's exciting well, all at the same time.
1: It was a fun, it was a fun book to write. I really enjoyed writing it.
0: Okay. Well, I've, I've read it myself and I really enjoyed it. I listened to it on an audio book and I actually enjoyed mm-hmm. the whole process because like when you close your eyes and you think about dark and twisted things are happening and you know, you really want to know what happens next. And I mm. found that so interesting and exciting. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to snap. You don't know who's going to break. You don't know what's, you don't know who's going to die next. Like, it's just, it, I was riveted, to say the least. So I really, really enjoyed it. But at the end, I was like, that's it? So I'm really wondering. <laughs> was thought that they got to the end. I was looking, they
1: thought, they thought like, there wasn't, like where the rest of the pages? yeah exactly they were like like they were shaking the book to see if like there (laughs) there was a page that was stuck so I had
0: to reread the last chapter just to be sure Mm. because I really felt you left us hanging there like seriously like what's that about are we going to have almost like a a, you know a second one following the story or would you just keep Um, us hanging don't do it yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of just going to leave you guys hanging. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> well, it, it is definitely a good book. Oinko, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. For those that are looking to buy My Sister, The Serial Killer, it's an amazing book. I recommend getting it. It's on Amazon. It's on the Kindle. It's on the, the Audible. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, literally, like, But if you want to know a little bit more about Oyin she has a website. It's oyinkongbraithwaite.com. I'll also put it in the link in the show notes as well. Um, And if you want to connect with her, she also has an Instagram handle. It's Braithwaite. That'll also be in the show notes. And then she also has a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Braithwaite as well thank you so much for coming on the show guys don't forget to rate review and subscribe once again i'm lolly your host um, we'll see you next time cheers